0: hello and welcome back to the see beyond podcast in the previous episodes for this season we kept to the northern europe and nordics uh, in terms of the energy transition uh, with my background you know i lived a couple of years in houston i've uh, in texas i've been there for business over the past two decades and, uh, houston is also uh, changing, transforming in the energy transition. Also, all the government support subsidies, IRA, uh, etc., supports business to go for the energy transition. And um, today we are going to explore together with actually two guests invited. We have uh, Jason Ethier, who's a serial energy entrepreneur he was also one of the co-founders of the greentown labs and uh, now he's actually doing um, a new startup the lambda catalyzer and uh, i also have uh, amy henry with me who's an ex-Shell uh, employee and is also co-founder of uh, the lambda catalyzer She also have uh, unique ventures and uh, I've had Amy previously on my podcast Um, and uh, today I have Jason and Amy together. So uh, we had a quite long talk, so this will be divided into two podcast episodes. We do the first part today and in the next uh, episode you will have the remaining part I hope you enjoy this. Thank you for listening to the podcast and I hope you share and um, like
1: this one. What's up? Am I waiting for something on my end? Oh, okay, yeah, he's yeah. going to do it. <laughs> we were waiting for the, th-
0: yeah, it's a start. Okay. You know, we have to be a bit patient, Jason, with, Sorry. with, uh, Sorry. with Teams. <laughs> but there we go. So uh, let's just jump right into it. I have... Uh, Two guests today. I mean, that that is very unusual to me because typically I have one guest. So, I mean, let's see how I can uh, manage both of you. So, I have uh, two energy transition stars from Houston with me today, Amy and Jason. Welcome and good morning.
1: Nice for us to be on. Thank you. Yeah. And,
0: and, uh, yeah, I mean, we already had this small uh, chat beforehand. I mean, uh, Amy trying to... Make an avatar or something else. I don't know. <laughs> but Jason, you win the. I think you win the background and coolness today, as as such, anyhow. But um, so um, energy transition. That's that's a big topic, of course. Uh, also in Europe, and I think especially, uh, of course, in the energy capital, Houston, as such. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we've discussed before. Amy, you've been. Uh, on my podcast previously yes, I, I think that was an excellent uh, chat we had about let's say uh, also the technology deployment commercialization seeing the gaps you know between yeah. startups and corporates policymakers but uh, there's been a while uh, since we talked and of course we in europe we try to uh, get up in pace with <laughs> transition and of course also have incentivized because f- first movers, they, they struggle. Of course, it's very, very difficult. And, uh, I wanted to hear a bit from your perspective. I mean, let's say how is this evolving in Houston?
1: Okay. I'll start Yeah. I'll start off. You I'll start. Like okay. That's okay. great. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll get the enthusiasm right going. Um, Well, I think, you know, if we if we look at at Houston being the global energy corridor of the world, of course, and then and they're also then focusing on being the global energy transition of the world. Correct. And, you know, with the IRA, just for us, because we work with technology and startups, you know, we, we, we see we're seeing a lot more inbound companies coming from Europe and other parts of the world due to to the IRA kind of change. Um, which I think is 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 very exciting, but a lot of this makes sense. Besides this, you know, you get the DOE increasing their funding. You also have the Department of Defense that is also increasing their funding because they have the very same energy and energy transition themes. Um, so I mind people, you know, the defense, you know, aviation fuel is a big thing, right? They they are one of the biggest uh, consumers of energy. And, and so, Houston being we're by the port, we've got all the infrastructure, you know, but people don't realize about Houston is we're probably number three in GDP. Um, if you compare, you know, include Houston and Dallas together, um, we're in the top of the nation in terms of, of wealth. If you look at, you know, your family offices or your high net worth individuals, you know, ready to invest. And, of course, this is where a, lo- a large part of your infrastructure is. As well as this is the home base for all of your your energy companies so i'll let jason talk a little bit more about this from his side
2: yeah and i think uh, there are a lot of wildcatters here in houston who come from the energy industry um, but they're applying their kind of talent and their expertise now to energy transition um, and and climate and it makes it interesting uh, because even five or ten years ago um, it seemed like a, a lot of those really experienced uh, operators were, were kind of working in the background. But today, they're really coming out of the woodworks and saying, look, I'm, I'm here to solve a problem. Um, just, uh, just last week, I met an entrepreneur who was uh, working on emissions for the last five or six years, and he decided to take the leap and turn his consulting practice into a full-blown products company that's providing uh, meaningful services for companies trying to understand their carbon footprint. Uh, and the carbon life cycle of their company and you know he had this like you know repertoire of experience and it was just the time to turn that into a product and and honestly a lot of that is driven by regulatory both in the us and regulatory in europe like his big thing he was targeting was how do you get companies ready for the carbon uh, carbon tariff um and, and so that's really driving a lot of the change here um, and, and conversely, you know, as much as there are entrepreneurs here, we're starting to hear for the first time entrepreneurs say, "I'm coming to Houston because the the center, the epicenter of climate act uh, innovation is Houston." And, and I don't think uh, innovators would have had it on their radar um, even three or four years ago. So it's it's really something that's changing here.
0: So big change, actually. You know, that that's really cool to hear, Jason. And and you know. Also feeling like a bit of a Houstonian myself. I mean, I mean, <laughs> spent a lot of time there. I mean, I, I think there's the energy transition is also about, let's say, these, uh, uh, the environments, the, the ecosystems transforming and, and transitioning. Uh, as such, so I think that's uh, well. I that's think I think the exciting.
1: I think yeah. the one key exciting thing is is now if you're out and about in the ecosystem, or if you're going to various functions and events, and you know, Houston's the most diverse city in the U.S. to begin with. But when you talk to people, most people these days are not from Houston or from Texas, right? I you know, and and, and the demographics are really changing. And so you see this just even in your everyday life or, or those that have come to Houston with, with their, you know, their startups. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, of course, like, uh, if, if you think about, I mean, oil and gas, it has attracted Europeans also previously oh, yeah. to Houston. Uh, all, all the various communities you have, whether that's French or uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Scottish or Dutch or mm-hmm. Norwegian or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, d- Do you see any, let's say, the Europeans also uh, being attracted now to Houston um, in in these days?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've, you know, some of them have been long lead development companies. You know, if you take even GA Driller, which was on the plasma bit Mm -hmm. development for geothermal, um, Mm -hmm. they were Slovak company. Mm -hmm. Um, They'd been around for 10 years. I mean, this is long lead, you know, this is hard tech. Um, sure. And so they partnered in and neighbors invested in them, which is Houston based. And so, you know, they're still linked to Europe. But they said, listen, because of the the shifting and change, we're going to modify our strategy. And so they're they're building up a team here in Houston and they're focused on North America right now. So mm-hmm. you see this time and time again with companies. I'm sure mm-hmm. Jason's got a few other examples, too, as well.
2: Yeah, and maybe to bend the question a little bit, you know, I, I think it, it, and energy is so huge, right? So in yeah. some ways, you look at the subsectors, you know, the flow of talent and capital kind of depends on the market. Like, would not recommend anyone start a wind company in the United States today. That's like my fighting words on this, because honestly, they're just better places where the customer are. And and I'm not sure here yeah. here in the U.S. and in Houston specifically, we figured out. Kind of the supply chain and the challenges around deploying large offshore wind, you got to go to Brazil, you got to go to Europe, right? And so, very much dependent on on where you are in the ecosystem. But but of course, classic energy, you know, companies come here, um, and I think uh, there's a a willingness to try things in Houston that maybe make it a more receptive market if if you have the market, right? Um, And so we're seeing people come in, um, and interestingly, maybe not surprisingly, tons of founders and startups coming out of Latin America. Um, and landing in Houston. Um, And and I'm amazed just how much like the Chilean innovation ecosystem has really developed over the last, um, um, gosh, last decade, I'm going to say. But I've seen founders from Chile, uh, Uruguay, Paraguay, um, and uh, Brazil kind of come through. Um, And of Of course, course, uh, some founders through Mexico uh, as well. And and good technology and, and really just uh, rigorous uh, business behind it. And, of, of course, they go to the U.S. market because it's it's bigger.
1: Yeah.
0: But, Jason, I mean, you, you're a superstar in terms of building ecosystems, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, I mean, how, how do you see now? I mean, there's opportunities, of course, to do, let's say, wow, go to the next level in Houston with, with, uh, with a, uh, like you say, or you get founders from uh, more from new regions. You need to look, of course, with the energy transition, it's so more demanding on the whole value chain. You have to mm-hmm. look at all all the layers and talk with new type of customers. Uh, like you, you said, that the let's say policymakers, regulators mm-hmm. needs to be part of this. I mean, what's the dynamic? Is is this build possible to build in into the Houston yeah. ecosystem?
2: I, I think uh, especially uniquely in Houston, because everyone's kind of an expat in a way. Um, if you're coming from out of out of the city, um, it's a very welcoming uh, city. And, and I think when people say it's business friendly, it's not it's not just laws and regulations. It's the fact yeah. that you can run into other entrepreneurs, because um, they've all kind of gone through the same struggle, and, and they'll um, help you navigate. And especially when you're coming from another country, you know, the, the market is different, just because of the structure of like, who the buyers are, and how that's informed by regulation. And so maybe it, it it doesn't have to be as much of, of a conversation with regulators, as much as just finding, you know, a foothold in with the, the people in the current industry, um, so you can understand uh, what's different here versus in my home market. Um, and as much as the, the pride may be bigger, right? Like the U.S. in some ways is, is always marked as like a quarter of global, global GDP. It's, it's still something you have to learn, right? That that's a little different, yeah. um, and that takes time. But I think with, because it's such a welcoming ecosystem. Um, those path, those, those barriers are just less. And um, funny, I forget this, but sometimes um, uh, people on the East Coast, you know, have a certain gruff uh, affectation to them, or it feels like you're in a kind of a, if you're not part of the walled garden, um, you don't get access. And I'm yeah. not sure you had that same barrier here in Houston. Um, and, and it makes it um, easier to build a community in that sense, because I, I think people are all uh, uh, relatively welcoming.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're you're pointing out some some key things there because I mean uh, every market is unique, of course, and and let's say uh, w- whether that's startups or scale ups or corporates who have been in uh, let's say certain local or regional markets in Europe or mm-hmm. just European based, mm-hmm. uh, and then thinking, okay, should we attempt to go to US? And many are doing that also. I mean, mm-hmm. who are in the scale up I seeing that, wow the the economics are 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 better actually to to do it mm. in US first and mm. uh, uh and then of course like you saying oh, Houston is welcoming but you know what what should companies or founders look out for i mean in terms of let's say uh, be ready for when when they come over to US or Houston for instance uh are there any particular challenges or or things to uh, take care of or yeah. be aware
2: of. You need to rent a car with air conditioning. Oh my gosh, step <laughs> number one. Right? <laughs> you had to get
1: there.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, lost, lost. yeah, get a car with air conditioning. No, because because Houston's so big, and especially if you're coming from Europe, where where you realize, um, you know, crossing Houston can take an hour. Um, yeah. and and it can be That's 30 on miles. A across. Day. That's, That's a on good That's yeah. <laughs> on a good day. Okay. On a good day, and uh, especially if you're in kind of a business development mode. Yes, there are clusters, but uh, you you got to be strategic about planning your meetings. Remember, one of the first times I came to Houston, I did not appreciate that uh, I would have to be running across all different parts of town, and uh, uh, and I was kind of doing the same circuit around the different parts of the town throughout the week. And if I were a little smarter, I would have clustered all the meetings in the same geography of Houston um, to kind of knock them out in the same day. So, so it's very tactical kind of of challenges of of kind of uh, being in a big city. But I think uh, the other thing is um, as much as I see people are welcoming it, especially energy and startups generally it's just very relationship based um, mm-hmm. and so it's good because once you get a relationship you can kind of open a door to um, really uh, the large um, you know solutions companies um, really relatively quickly and, and you can do your customer discovery very fast I remember um, there was one OTC I got a, an advisor on board on the team um, and we met. You know every major um, downhole pump company um, over the course of a week because we, we had that connection um, and we were talking not just to line salespeople we were talking to the product managers and the business unit managers um, and really had a chance to validate kind of the product we needed to build. Um, that's, it's that that kind of speed is so invaluable, uh, but you got to have that um, that that kind of partner to introduce you and 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 obviously. Um, uh, they're doing some vetting to make sure uh, you know you have something that that industry wants to see, uh, and, and yeah. that's actually how I met Amy. I uh, was in, in one of these roles. We were trying to to uh, integrate and engage with um, the exploration and production companies.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those well, those are good points. Yeah, Amy, please.
1: One thing I I would say is it's just on top of this is you know, I I grew up in Royal Dutch Shell or now Shell called Shell Global. So this is an Anglo Dutch. Uh, obviously, company. um so I, I I would say, you know, I think the Europeans have a, a they do a better job at collaboration, right? A true collaboration and mm-hmm. And so you know really, when you' you're coming to to Houston, I think the key thing is is all the things that Jason talked about, but finding those people that are the good connectors, right? And, and sometimes it, if you don't start with that, then you, it, it can take anyone, even experienced people in the industry, you know, kind of two to three years just to build up that network, to mm-hmm. finding, you know, that, those right connectors so they're not going around wasting their time, you know, going from meeting to meeting, no decisions being made. So it's, it's, it's finding those champions just because, you know, Houston is, is so big. We've got lots of them. Right. But understanding. Right. Because, you know, it's it's it it, it, U.S. approaches collaboration a little bit differently than than the true kind of European sense. Yeah,
0: I think that's a a key point, really, because, I mean, what works in Europe? I mean, uh, yes, you have to look at how you adapt that into the U.S. market and and the value prop. But also, like uh, I would say we we have uh, highly functional innovation agencies in the Nordics. Mm -hmm. And of course, coming over to Houston, it, it will, it looks much more fragmented and it's like, it's a jungle, you know, how do you know where to go? And so my advice would also be, I mean, being part of it there and and now outside again, but uh, I think it's, it's about uh, finding those right partners Mm -hmm. uh, to assist you in how to kind of uh, get going and and don't try to do it alone uh, as such. yeah.
2: It's especially in energy, right? Because it's not like software where you can kind of build a whole stack company no, no. on your own, sure. right? Like these systems are so complicated. You, you don't to build everything yourself. You need partners all across the value chain and, and kind of figuring out where you, your company sits is, is really valuable because so then you can put your capital to work where you can create the you know most return for, for your time, for your investors, for, for everyone like that. And, and I think um, the... Houston has a lot of energy companies because there's a lot of people who who can kind of contribute expertise. Um, (laughs) I remember it was mind blowing to me. Uh, One of the ways you could set up a a supply chain here in Houston is, um, you know, you can kind of essentially get your manufacturers to forward your freight. Always uh, kind of around town to get things built. Um, There's just kind of a weird skill set here. When someone would build the widget, they would send it to the assembler that's in the next place. You can kind of have your little virtual factory without ever having to have an asset because you have to find the right partner. We can kind of take a piece of that pop-up component and get it ready for the field. Um, and it was just this little amazing just-in-time supply chain that that's very, very Houstonian to me. Um, and it really obviated the need to build your own factory until you were ready. Yeah,
0: And I, I think also, of course, like uh, if I look at Europe, of course, we, uh, I mean, we can start on, let's say, building blocks like uh, Carbon Capture or the mm-hmm. CCS, mm-hmm. Carbon Capture and Storage. Of course, it's like, yeah, I think we've seen that, say, that first hype, and then, say, oh, but this is very complex, you know, mm. and uh, it's costly. We don't yeah. have the same incentives like in the US. And of course, carbon capture is one side of it. And I, I think there's sufficient commercial technologies to c- take care of that. But then comes the, the big question, of course, like, but transportation, storage. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. Western Europe is very densely populated most parts <laughs> yes. of it and um uh, <clears throat> there's uh yeah what are we well, Western yeah, Europe, think, yeah, nations, yeah. you know we can't we can't transport uh cross border f- mm. uh f- for co2 in in that sense mm. and uh so it's a lot of these complications then of course uh carbon can you rather utilize that for something like i mean mm-hmm. if you go for uh sustainable fuels i mean uh, utilize it uh, together with uh, hydrogen production perhaps mm-hmm. and do and, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sustainable fuels, for instance. So, I mean, suddenly you, you, you're looking at the very complex, uh, let's say, complete value chain. But I think so. Th- all those elements have to work and there's so much mm-hmm. work related to all this. But um, uh, are there's you better off of in the U.S. right now? as Than we are in Europe. Do you think you are progressing better?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't, it's it's yeah. hard to talk about the the, the progress per se. What what, uh, what I will say is, um, the U.S. and Canada, what what they have the natural advantage of, right? Yeah. Um, because we always like to look things at things without incentives and and credits, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. you can never, you always want them. To, we have to look at uh, projects or the the fundamental economics, right? And then see how much is is if they look profitable. How much is enhanced by by some of these tax credits and things like that. But yep. what I think the advantage of North America is the the, the land area, as you alluded mm-hmm. to. It's mm-hmm. not yes. as densely populated. I think even sometimes Canadians forget about this. Is a lot of the lands here is it's private ownership, right? Yes. And so, you know, it's it's a lot of the oil and gas and, and the drilling activities are yeah, there's a good a good section on government lands and the BLM, which is Bureau of Land Management, but a lot of this is in the private sector, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and so you don't have those same hurdles as well. So a lot of these technology companies we'll be working with are international north america really is that testing ground makes that best testing ground Mm -hmm. but where where they go in terms of their their commercialization markets well we see that as a springboard back over again you know into europe southeast asia kind of middle east right in those sections but really that proving ground is going to be more so than north america but it's so important to have the virtual bridge between the Europeans, mm. right? Because of what we're doing, we still need to have these collisions, right? Yes. Because these systems are complex, the, the different levers you're moving at the same time, you still need a lot of the, the, the clashing of different viewpoints and perspectives and ideas, right, um, as we build out this re- these regionalized hubs. Yeah.
0: All Jason kind of. May, yeah yeah maybe I was a bit blunt there too but sometimes yeah. I, I just have to push it out there but of course <laughs> just to to reply on it I mean of course there's uh, the movement in Europe and we see also the, let's say the governments being on on board and EU and you know everyone mm. wants this we, we kind of try to get the whole ecosystem every every part to move and you know when you orchestrate that that is very complex. But but what we see, yes, it's moving in the right direction. And and now we're, I think with more of the right legislation, et cetera, mm-hmm. here, I, I think yeah, there's going to be big things happening in Europe. So that's all for the part one together with Jason and Amy. Next time we will continue to listen to the thoughts Jason and Amy have about the energy transition for Houston, Texas, USA and also uh, further on the collaboration between uh, the United States and Europe. So uh, look out for the next episode. Thank you.